0: Pixel Plasma, and Canada Day 22, The Thick of It. I mean, The Thick of It is obviously a very clever show, and I don't think, or I, I wouldn't attempt to replicate something like that. Just as I, I wouldn't attempt to replicate comedy, um, I do feel quite strongly that both a comedy game and a horror game are... Uh, you don't you don't set out a situation to be comedic or horrific Um, you have an easier time of making things horrific and because the horror genre has certain tropes that work with it you can lean into that genre in the game even if you're not particularly scared um, you can still have a a great time with you know a, a sort of final girl teen slasher type thing um or Lovecraftian investigation or whatever. comedy is a lot harder, and I've never bought games that market themselves as hilarious. Not Toon and not Paranoia. I actually think Paranoia should be played straight. And any humour could be satirical or gallows humour or whatever, but that's going to come from the players, not from the GM, you know what I mean? And I don't see how I could write a scenario that would be funny. Much less a scenario that fully understands the working of Westminster, which I do not. But there are a couple of comments I want to make. One is the setup of the thick of it which is it's a half hour slot and it's fast paced things move very quickly and it's usually everything revolves around a crisis that's entered at the start and resolves at the end of that session so if you were to run a game like that you would have the goal of uh, a specific issue that is going to cause a massive problem that you force the players into a decision about, and force them to take action about, and at the end you see what washes up and that's a little bit different from the other approach that I would take, which follows Mo's approach of using My Life with Master which I've now sort of um, I think he ran My Life with David and My Life with Tony, and I wrote My Life with Dom and My Life with Boris um, I can't remember if I've wrote another one but it but my life with master is all about um the cronies to the political figure and what they will do how they will debase themselves to get the love of the master and there are different categories of master that drive the the kind of story and the kind of attention that they will give and the cruelty that they mete out. So I think that works quite well. But it doesn't address the problem of, actually, it should be scenario-driven, which is you need a crisis at the start, and it resolves at the end. I mean, I think it would be a fine system to actually do that, but just saying I'd use my life with Master isn't enough, although it's a good fit. And, of course, with our politics today, it's an even better fit. Loyalty and competence should both be um, dials that you can turn in the game. But as I said, I think it mostly has to be scenario-driven. And taking a leaf out of Apocalypse World, you could construct a front that serves as this threat in the scenario. And um, all you're doing is providing the threat and looking for a response. And the nice thing about Power the Apocalypse, although I know it's extremely divisive, a lot of people don't get it. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of the... Um, the older players who listen to this, uh, I I get the feeling you're not terribly keen on a pocketless world. Well. Fair play, I do think it teaches a couple of really useful things. Um, one is the the moves are interesting because it's like when you meet the set of conditions, you trigger a test. That's all it's saying. So it doesn't necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily a skill test. What it is, it's a test of a situation, and whether or not you're going to get out of it successfully. And I, I think that is the whole thing about Um, If you are pushing the players and they're reacting to the drama, then um, you want to see how well they perform. And you also want them to commit to action so there's no way back, which is another thing that Powered by the Apocalypse is good at doing. I mean, I think any competent GM will enforce that and um, make it happen in any system. It's just Apocalypse World has been written with that in mind, and I think it's pretty successful. So then you have fronts which are very specific threats which are driven by certain goals. You have a threat coming in which threatens to expose the party in some way or threatens someone's position or embarrasses the government or something. And um, and you have ways that that threat will then manifest. You know, Maybe it, it's a, a an awkward leaked document that people have to respond to uh and then you have a number of responses the GM makes as far as GM moves go. Uh of course. Uh and those happen when people fail roles. And I think that is so simple and extremely useful that um you you almost it's almost a way of writing shorthand for writing a scenario right there. You are telling the GM that you can take these actions when the PC screw up. What that means is um all you're doing then you've got a pre-prepared set of responses. Now, often the, the list in Apocalypse World is quite terse, so you could flesh each one out and say, in the context of this scenario, this is what will happen. So things are leaked, and let's say a denial goes badly wrong uh, in an interview, and suddenly there is uh, contradictory evidence. So you can have show contradictory evidence to the public as a as a move as a, a as an MC move, as a GM move. So then you've got to think about the kinds of scenarios. And really, there's going to be scenes that happen in different places. And I guess there's going to be internal scenes inside the halls of power. There's going to be media scenes, which will be in interviews, press releases, and so on. And um, I'm not sure there's much else. I guess there's there's sort of public scenes as well, going out and meeting the public. So... Going out and meeting the public is you know, potentially quite chaotic, and usually it's driven by some need to uh, open something or be seen by the public to be doing something. Um, and, of course, when you're exposed to the public and um, you know, you're not sure how they're going to take things, then you might get covered in a milkshake or, or egged, or you might get booed, or you might get asked an embarrassing question. Well, you might be photographed eating a bacon sandwich awkwardly, which then becomes fodder for the opposition. So that's another move that you can use to punish the players when they fail. Of course, you, you also have to then give them incentive to do actually take action, which is what are they doing? What will succeed? And I think you, you're going to have a crisis which they need to manage. It's almost always going to be a crisis to do with public perception rather than a crisis to do with actually doing good. So let's say you're always trying to manage a, a, a public perception issue and you have a number of avenues to tamp down all of the bad stories that are happening and you know, deflect to a different story, insert a new story. So I can see that the way I would do that is I would just have in my back pocket a whole bunch of awkward stories that could appear suddenly you know, like a handsy member of the cabinet who was appointed having known what an awful groper he was, or somebody who is um, claiming outrageously on their expenses despite um, saying that we have to show fiscal restraint or something like that. Um, I guess also you've got to say, do you play just one group or do you play um, both sides of the commons? And how does that happen? That That could get quite PVP. I suppose Prime Minister's Questions or Similar Debates in the House is another forum where people get to make attacks on each other, and I suppose then I'd have to know exactly how that works. That was never a focus, I think, in the thick of it. it was, um, it was Mostly it was about the media perception rather than the perception of the House of Commons. I think in the current climate, though, given how much of House of Commons is now televised and gets onto social media, you'd want to build that in as well. So what does the end look like? Um, I suppose that you're going to be juggling one or more bad stories throughout a scenario, and they will die down, but only if you take certain actions. And you have to decide how you're going to kill one story and let it die down. And let's say the public will only ever be cross about one story at once. So you have something outrageous happening. You kill it with a different story emerging. That seems relatively benign, but then uh, for some reason your other story backfires and it turns out to be a bad look for the government as well. So then you have that dominating the news and you have this endless cycle um I suppose you also have resources that come into play in terms of the media and uh you know the establishment connections. And that could be the subject of playbooks. Now um I do want to plug again Westminster Hearts, which I wrote as a joke. A bit of a, I mean I I say I wrote it, I kind of I did a picture and then I I wrote some notes down ages ago. But it followed Richard's approach to running a totally different game called um which is darkest dungeons it was the satanic panic role-playing game where basically we were playing monster hearts with the layer on top to run the D sections and we were trying to corrupt freshmen with um into the satanic cult of our D game very very successful in the way that you just wrote a layer in the way that he wrote a layer of moves over the top of regular Monster Hearts, and it worked so well. Um, I can't remember the guy's surname, um, but he's Epistolary Richard, and you almost certainly have heard of him if you've gone to Dragon Meet and seen the, you know, What's Hot in Indie, And, um, uh, and he's done the Across the Table podcast, which is all about deep dives into indie games. That's good stuff. Recommend it. Um, so, what I would do is, is take that, and I thought, well, yeah, let's run Monster Hearts, but in Westminster, where instead of being teenagers who can't control their emotions, you're highly stressed adults um, running into middle age. in who also can't control their emotions and also have supernatural powers. I mean, the whole point about Monster Hearts is like, yes, there's something weirdly supernatural going on, but the real story is it's, it's all about high school. And Monster Hearts has the system of strings and there are clocks in there because it's Apocalypse World. So that's the approach I would probably take. I would um, you know, consider tweaking it minimally, but what I would probably do is just put a layer over the top so yeah, anyway, that's my take on the thick of it and what I would do to turn it into a role-playing game. Okay, it's time for day twenty-two on the advent calendar. So, oh, it's a House of Commons mug. Well, it doesn't look like it's been washed either. Okay, um, right, I'll speak to you in the next one. Not long to go. Bye. Fix podcast. Words by Ralph Lovegrove. Music by Chris Zabriskey. Find out more at fixplasma.net.